0: under the Jews a stumbling block, under the Greeks foolishness, but unto them which are called, both Jews and Greeks, Christ, the power of God and the wisdom of God. Now here's your host, Thomas Irvin.
1: Let's pick up in Daniel two, verse forty-five. We'll finish Daniel 2 today and uh, probably start into chapter 3. Uh, We'll we'll at least introduce chapter 3. And then um, next week we'll make more of chapter 3, Lord willing. So Daniel 2, let's read verse 45. For as much as thou sawest, the stone was cut out of the mountain without hands, and that it break in pieces the iron, the brass, the clay, the silver... And the gold, the great God hath made known to the king what shall come to pass, there's that word, hereafter, and the dream is certain, and the interpretation thereof sure. I just I like Daniel's confidence. But it's not an arrogance. It's it's a confidence in his God. It's a confidence in, in the fact that God gave him what he asked for, and he he has no question about it. He's like, King, you can you can do what you want with it, but that's what God said. <laughs> and and I'm, I'm confident, I'm sure. And uh, notice, though, when this stone comes and it break in pieces, look, look at what it does. It says, for as much as thou sawest that the stone was cut out of the mountain without hands, and it break in pieces, the iron, brass, clay, silver, and gold. All right. So it, if I've tried to think about this and and what does that mean? Because because when the Lord comes back, it's those 10 kings that he's dealing with at the end. Right. Which is the iron mingled with miry clay. But when he smashes that kingdom, it breaks in pieces all the previous kingdoms. And there's there's a couple of reasons for it. Number one, we've talked about um, you know, number one, the, the previous kingdoms, they are absorbed by the next one. All right. So, so Babylon becomes part of Medo-Persia. Medo-Persia becomes part of Grisha. So not only does Grisha come in with its own territory and its own government and its own people, but it engulfs and and, and expands into the territory that it took, All right, So that, that's part of it. Now, the problem is, the problem with this, it, it, it has to be part of it, I believe, I think, philosophically speaking. But the problem is that by the time you get to the 10 Kings, all right, I tell you get to the Ten Kings, all previous kingdoms are gone, long gone. There is no Roman Empire today. Italy is weak. And so people might say, well, it's the Roman Catholic Church. The Roman Catholic Church is weak. At one time, the Roman Catholic Church dominated the world. And interesting, interestingly, that period of history is called the Dark Ages. <laughs> you're, you're a church, and you dominated the world politically. And the way it's characterized as dark and evil—that's not good. But today, today, the, the the Roman Catholic Church, especially with this current pope, I mean, they're, they're joining the the progressive bandwagon. Everybody know what that means? Who knows what the the progressives are? Who they are? That's uh, that's that's the people who are preaching that uh, global warming or climate change is going to ruin. Everybody's going to die in ten years because of climate change. That's the LGBTQ homosexual community, which, by the way, your president <laughs> probably stirred up a hornet's nest in the past few days. <laughs> Signing that bill into law, stating that it's, it's now, I mean, he's been talking about it a long time. I actually thought it was already in place, but it, now it's officially illegal in Uganda to be homosexual. Now, whether anybody will for, enforce it or not, who knows, but um, it's there. And he made a big public statement. Now, what that means for you, every one of you, what that means for Uganda, is that those people, these people now consider you a target, they now hate you. And they're gonna come after your country. They were already trying. They're gonna use YouTube, Facebook, TikTok. They're gonna use social media to, to slowly take over the minds of the people of your society, and in the next 10, 20, 15 years, they'll get rid of the law that that your president just signed. Through through television and through through all through through social media, they'll reprogram your thinking. So that you will become comfortable. It's what they did in America. It's what they did in Europe. It's what what they do all over the world. That's why social media, television, the world's music is so dangerous. It's a a tool. They know that it's a tool to reprogram, to retrain your mind. And so if you're not careful what you're looking at and what you're watching and spending time with on social media, they don't need you to agree with it. They just need you to be desensitized. That's what they did in America. In the 90s, people would come out of the closet, It's what they call it. He's coming out of the closet, meaning he's he's been hiding the fact he's homosexual because at one time it was a shameful thing in America to be homosexual. Does that sound familiar? At one time, sodomy was illegal in America. In most states, it's probably still illegal today. Now, your president, being interviewed by the BBC, they, they asked him, do you, do you just hate homosexuals? He said, oh, yeah, they're disgusting people. <laughs> and then he asked her, do you know what they do? <laughs> and the woman was like, never mind, never mind. Let's, <laughs> let's talk about something else. So, uh, that, signing that law today, or uh, in the past few days when he did it, uh, you're going to see news headlines across the world about Uganda Uganda hates homosexuals. It's dangerous to be homosexual in Uganda. Uh, they're being persecuted in Uganda. You're going to start seeing all these accusations and, and you're going to get to feel what, see what it feels like when, when you see all the headlines about America and you believe them and then you come talk to an American and say, is this true? No, it's not true. <laughs> it's propaganda. It's what it's there for. The media is there to help these people, to help the progressive machine. And collectively, this is... This is climate change. This is Marxism. This is socialism. This is LGBTQ plus, minus, equal sign, question mark. I mean, everything else that they keep adding to their stupid name. Um, This is the trans community. That's, that's, That's who these people are. And the Pope is now one of these the thing with Roman Catholicism and being a Baptist we often agreed politically typically on on the political scale we we both hated abortion we both were against homosexuality we both were, we had very similar um, uh, you know, we, we, we desired similar political outcomes not always, but most of the time well this new Pope is changing that radically. He is very, very progressive. And he's trying his best to break down the Catholic Church. And you may start seeing some people are already... Some of the more hard-lined, old-school uh, priests and bishops in the Catholic Church are beginning to be fired and removed from the Catholic Church because they won't go along with this new agenda. So... We've seen splits in the Catholic Church before. In fact, the biggest one was the that, that's noted potentially in, in the um, let me see your, your chart. just one of them. yeah, the first one. Um, so, so this is the Roman Empire here, and so you have the eastern and the western front of the Roman Empire. When they split in two, you had the Roman side, and you had the Ottoman Empire. Uh, the same church uh, represented, you know, again, theoretically, by the two legs. Um, but now, I mean, we'll see what happens to the Catholic Church in the coming years, but that man has control of the Vatican, which means he has all the money, the police, the military, the intelligence. That's the thing about the Catholic Church. The Catholic Church is a, is a political entity. They want power. They want political power. Same thing with Islam. It's, it's not just a religion. It's a religion that has to take control of the, of the political aspect of things. Well, that's the amazing thing about Christianity, about Bible-believing Christianity. God told us, I created the political powers. You stay out of it. In fact, I gave them the sword to deal with you. <laughs> and so you listen to what they say until they tell you to violate the word of God. Then you need to choose. Are you going to violate the word of God like they said, or are you going to listen to me? All right, so that, that's the... That, that's the only boundaries. The, the political powers are not supposed to be coming in and telling the church how to operate, but the church doesn't go in and tell the political powers how to operate. So God said, I gave them the power politically to, to limit man's ability to sin. I gave you the word of God. You stay out of the politics. I want them to stay out of the church. But if they come in the church, you got to decide what you're going to do. Otherwise, you, you don't bother them. You pray for them and ask them to leave you alone and let you worship, worship peaceably. That's what the Bible teaches. In fact, we're, going to, we're seeing that in Daniel 2. We're going to see it again in Daniel 3. Then we're going to see it again in Daniel, in Daniel 6. In Daniel 2, I'm killing everybody. And the men who are going to be killed don't go form an army. <laughs> and then Daniel 3, you didn't bow down to my gods, and I'm putting you to death. No problem, I understand. They literally said to, the king, to Nebuchadnezzar, we are not careful to answer you in this. I'm not going to fight you. I'm not going to form a militia. I'm not going to form an army. I'm not going to take up arms. I'm just telling you, we're not worshiping your God. And if you throw us in the fire, I know that my God can get me out. But if he doesn't, it's still better for me to be thrown in your fire and going to be with the Lord than it is than it is to bow down to your God. And then Daniel 6. You can no longer pray to anybody but, but who I tell you to pray to. Daniel goes and opens the window and prays just like he had before knowing there were consequences. All right, so, so when the government tells you don't murder, don't kill, don't steal, or I'm going to throw you in prison, then you don't do that. When the government tells you don't preach the name of Jesus Christ, don't go to church, then you have to say, look, I, I respect your authority, but, but I can't obey that. I have to obey God. God said preach the gospel. God said go to church. I have to do those things. I understand it comes with consequences. If you put me in prison, I'm going to do it in prison. <laughs> you put me, wherever you put me, I'm going to do it. Uh, so either you can let me do it here and, and I'll, I'll stay out of politics and leave you alone and, and worship my God. Or you can put me in your prison and I'm going to do the same thing there. It's, it's entirely up to you. And it is up to them. Um, God gave them that power and that ability. And um, like I've told you here before, uh, you know, in America, we, we have a... America had a different type of revolution. This is everybody's favorite word. Revolution. The revolution is coming. Everybody thinks this word is the solution to everything that ails them. Uh, You know, if the government doesn't do what we want, we'll revolt. Well, if you read about the revolutions that took place, they're always bloody, they're always destructive, and they usually oftentimes do not end up better. Honestly, and again this is debatable, but the American Revolution is is one of the only ones that ended up better. And it was because it wasn't a a Marxist socialist revolution, it was men genuinely fighting for freedom. That's a big difference. When you're fighting for a revolution, when you're fighting for an ideology that is going to that is going to Enslave people as soon as you get it in power that, that's, that's that's one issue that you don't want to be on the side of, but if you're genuinely fighting with people who are going to bring about freedom now we 're ta- we're not talking about Christianity as Christians we have no we have biblically speaking, we have no place in this, but the American Revolution runs deep into in the minds, in the hearts and minds of Americans who are forty years and older. It's rare to find in, in, in the younger generation because they don't teach about it anymore. And so we have this very freedom-oriented mindset. You stay off my property and I'll stay off yours, including the police. You don't come on my property unless you have a, a, a legally legal-bounded reason to come onto my property. And up until recent years, that, ha- that, that has been the way it was in America. Well, that's, that's dying. It's going away. Rapidly and so so we 're losing this this freedom and, and this idea of, of revolution, and you 've got all these people. these are the people that are changing america this, this progressive left they 're very good at what they do. Anyone who comes from a Marxist or a socialist background they, they are excellent at propaganda that 's what they do now people who come from Say, in an an American Revolution background, their mindset is, you go do what you want to do. You just leave me alone. So they're not putting out propaganda. They're not going out and actively uh, fighting in these political battles. They're at home enjoying the freedom they have in their home and expecting that the rest of America is going to leave them alone. Well, they're not. These people are aggressively these are their platforms. These are what they're using to change the world. And it's, it's, it's working and it's moving fast. Th- thanks to these two groups, the LGBTQ and trans community, in a very short amount of time, you now have politicians, presidents, prime ministers, high-level intellectuals, scientists, biologists, um, uh, university professors, all, th- this entire list of people in place all around the world, if you ask them, what is a woman? You know what they'll say to you? I don't know. What do you think a woman is? You don't know what a woman is? And you're the president? <laughs> like it's, they're literally... Not, now, they know what a woman is. The problem is, these people... They are ruthless. And you will agree with them or they will do everything they can to ruin you. You can't even, you can't have a live, let live mentality. Like, okay, if you're, if you're LGBTQ, whatever that is, <laughs> enjoy it. Just leave me alone. No, they, they can't do that. You must give credence to what they say or they're going to come after you. And that's where you are today. Now, one, another reason all this is Relevant to what we're talking about, uh, we'll see it at some point in our study, but um, I forget how it's worded, but the Bible says about the Antichrist. Um, what is, I, you really need to see it, but we're not there yet. Let me see if I can look it up real fast. Um, the Bible says about the Antichrist, um, oh, how is it worded? I think it's Daniel eleven thirty-seven. Look at that real quick. Let's see if that's what I'm looking for. Daniel 11. Daniel 11, and look at verse 37. Let's see what that says. Yeah, now, neither shall he regard the God of his fathers, and then look at this next phrase, nor the desire of women. Now, as a brother in my church uh, back home, he takes this to mean that the, homosex- that, that the, the Antichrist may possibly be homosexual. That's talking about the Antichrist, and it says that he will not regard the desire of women. Now, I don't know if I'm there yet that I agree with him. But when you think about what's going on today, and you think about how strong and how fast and how overwhelming this movement is, and Now, for the most part, Africa has resisted it, at least publicly. I've seen some men in Uganda that I, I look at them and say, that, that dude is as gay as, as the day is long. Not many, but I'm seeing more and more than, than I'm used to seeing. All right, now, they're, they're not vocal. They don't come out and you know they have to be a little more careful in Uganda. But for the most part, Africa has resisted it but it's coming in fact the the future battle for the world or the future uh, playing field for the world is africa because this is what's happened the the west the west forgot about africa they pulled out in the 1960s they said we we took all this property here but you people we can't govern you. <laughs> so we're leaving. We're giving you your independence. Who, who in Africa fought for their independence and won it? Not a single country. <laughs> the European powers said, Yeah, this is too costly. We can't handle this. You can have it back. <laughs> we're leaving. <laughs> they pulled out and they left. All right. Now, a few have hung around. Uh, A few African countries like Uganda still has a, or at least until the queen died, had a decent relationship with the queen in England. Um, Of course, Rwanda completely broke with France and want nothing to do with France. They despise France. Um, But other French colonies still have strong relationships. Um, uh, I mean, some of the relationships are still there, but for the most part, the West left. And who came in? China. I saw an estimate at one point that China owns or controls around 85% of all the ports in Africa. Well, the West caught wind of that and they said, we need to go back to Africa. (laughs) Well, if they come back to Africa, guess where the next playground is going to be for the world? It's going to be here. And if the West comes back to Africa, guess what they're bringing with them? Climate change, LGBTQ... Uh, and it's already here. I t- uh, we talked about the place right off the road where, where we like to go eat. Their thing is no plastic. Now, it might help Africa if they got rid of the plastic because <laughs> it's everywhere. But they think they're saving the world by not giving you a straw. I mean, honestly, that's what they If you go there and you get a drink, they give you a metal straw which is better than paper, because some places in America started giving you a paper straw. Does anybody here know what happens when you put a paper straw in a drink? It's the stupidest thing that I have ever heard of in my life. But, and then to get the paper, you still got to cut trees down. So I don't understand. You got rid of the plastic, but you took out half the trees. So I don't understand what you're, what you're accomplishing. It just, their solutions are oftentimes as bad as what they're trying to solve. Um, but as the world converges in this direction, that this is what you have to look forward to. And the reason all this matters is because these people are strong. Their messaging is strong. And they have all the platforms that everybody in the world loves to play on. Facebook, uh, YouTube, Google, TikTok. It's, it's, it's all owned by these people one way or another. All right, so so I, I don't know what China's stance is on the LGBTQ trans community, but it is overwhelmingly Marxist. Overwhelmingly. It is also they don't care about climate change, but they know how to use it for their advantage. They know how right now if you want if you want a solar panel anywhere in the world, guess where you gotta get it from? And if you buy it in America, guess where the parts came from? (laughs) (laughs) Because they they knew the West lost its mind, and and there's something, look, you, you don't get people to agree with this and this as on as large a scale as they have unless there's something. Spiritual to it. There's no way. How can you get a grown, a grown, educated man to stand in front of you and say, I don't know what a woman is? Well, where did your children come from? It didn't come from a duck. Like, where did you think you got those? Like you understand how all that works. You saw it, you participated. And now all of a sudden you're going to stand in front of people and say, well, who knows what a woman is? We have a Supreme Court justice. They asked her during her interviews when they when they put them through all this, they asked her, what is a woman? She said, I'm not a biologist. (laughs) What? She's sitting on the Supreme Court right now. And you know what they said when she was put on the Supreme Court? They said this is a historical moment. A black woman is on the Supreme Court. Well, what's a black woman? You don't know what a woman is. Just a second ago, somebody asked you, What is a woman? You said, I can't, I don't know. I couldn't give you an answer. I'm not a biologist. And then once you were you were approved, I'm the first black woman on the Supreme Court. Well, prove it. Look, the, the Bible talks about. Again, we talked about the last times and the latter times and what it means. But as we move closer and closer and closer to that day, the Bible talks repeatedly about people who will be willing to be ignorant. And we're there. I don't know that anybody has ever been so willing to be so ignorant. And they're going to come after you next. I guarantee you the plans are already made. The groups are already being funded. They're they're going to come after Africa and they're going to do everything they can. Uh, They're going to do everything they can to bring you over and force you into this mold. And All all that is too much of a coincidence for it not to be a spiritual issue. This is not, we're not talking about politics. Some people are going to hear this online. They're going to start crying. Who is talking about politics? This is not politics. God said a man shall not wear that which pertains to a woman. God said that in the Bible. Well, what is a woman? (laughs) So I guess you can just wear anything you want now. A woman shall not wear that which pertains to a man. Do you know, if if we could go back to that, those two simple rules, it would wipe away most of this garbage in a heartbeat. And if people would have abided by that, Something else I've noticed, and I've talked about it here before, when, I came, when we first came to Uganda, we rarely saw women wearing pants. That was 2016. Women typically wore dresses, skirts, or they wore a dress that was, that was more related to their, their tribal background. It, it was very clear, this is a woman. She's dressed like a woman. Now you have these big, fat African women wearing yoga pants. It's disgusting.
0: <laughs>
1: and they have no shame. Like, they just walk around in it like it's okay. It's not okay. I don't know. Did, I, I mean, do you have mirrors in Ugandan homes? <laughs> Somebody told her, oh, man, you look wonderful. You should wear that out. <laughs> In public, it's ridiculous. It's disgusting. Now, we're used to seeing garbage like that in America. I'm not used to seeing it here, and it's happening more and more and more. And it's, but where are they getting that from? If, if a Ugandan woman, where would a Ugandan woman ever get the idea to wear a pair of skin-tight yoga pants around Kampala? Where'd she get that from? Facebook, YouTube, movies, television. That's where it came from. Africans are, are very, very culturally oriented. And your culture has a deeply rooted division between men and women. It's going away. Now, in five years... It's going to be doubled, in ten years it's going to be tripled. In twenty years, there's a game we play in America. We see some people and we play this game. My wife and I would be walking through the airport and we'll say, "Guess that gender," because you don't know—is that a man or is that a woman? What is that? It's some strange gender-neutral creature (laughs) that must be from a different planet. With green hair and holes in their face. And you can't tell if it's a male or a female. You don't know what it is. That's your future. If, if you keep playing with television and, and radio and, and social media and all this garbage, I'm telling you, I'm prophesying. And now that they know your president, now that your president signed it, the first time he talked about signing that bill into law, Obama got upset and told him if he didn't change it, he would, he would withdraw all aid from, from Uganda. And to his credit, Museveni said, "Take it and you know what he said in the same speech <laughs> like i'm not i'm not you know I understand some people love him, some people don't I, I i'm not I'm not advocating for or against Museveni my My purpose here is not politics, but I do find these things interesting he He said that if Africans would work, he wouldn't have to receive aid from the West, and that they wouldn't but when the West gives you aid, they want to lecture you on, on how to live and how to dress and what a woman is and what a woman is not, apparently, or if a woman exists at all. And then he said, Africans are good at two things, <laughs> sleeping and replenishing the earth. <laughs> I'm glad he said that, not me. <laughs> not me. <laughs> <laughs> um, you know over the years he has said some things that make a lot of sense i don't know that he's always practiced them obviously he, he gave into a lot of things he used to be against and so we'll see where that goes in the future but um now that it's official you you watch if you have social media and you have all that all that garbage you just just watch what starts popping up it's going to start showing up everywhere because they know that social media will influence your young people. They'll make your young people comfortable with it. And in 10 years when they're running the country, in 20 years when they're running the country, they'll change it. Now, it's our job not to fight political battles. It's our job to go preach the gospel. It's our job to win people to Christ and then teach them the Bible. Because the Bible would have told them, a man shall not wear that which pertains to a woman. And a woman shall not wear that which pertains to a man. And if you keep that basic division, all this other stuff goes away. It's that simple. That's why when you hear somebody, I don't see why a woman has to wear a skirt or a dress. (laughs) I know you don't. (laughs) It's obvious you don't. Now, she doesn't have to. We had a church one time. I I didn't realize the church had gone the direction it was going. It um, It used to be a historical independent Baptist church. And they'd called and asked us to to come and be in one of their missions conferences. And um, the the man in charge of their missions program called me and he said, I just want you to know while you're here, your wife doesn't have to wear a dress or a skirt. She can just, she's free to wear whatever she wants. I said, you're saying that as though you feel like you're doing us a favor. Well, yeah, you know, it's just some churches are a little overbearing. I was like, no, my wife dresses that way because she's a lady. She wants to please God. She wants to dress that way. She doesn't dress that way because she's trying to do some local church a favor or pretending to be something she's not. That's who she is. That's how she dresses. And he told me I didn't have to wear a tie. And when I got there, I was wearing a tie. And the pastor, the pastor literally told me, he said, we were at dinner. We went out to dinner at a at a steakhouse where you just wear what you want. I wore a tie <laughs> because I knew they hated ties. I don't understand how you can hate a tie. Now I, you can not like them. You can prefer not to wear them, but hate them. Why would you hate a tie? What is there about a tie to hate? And he looked at me and he said, I see you're wearing your tie. So I see you're not. <laughs> and he said, well, I think the, I think ties are a spawn of the devil. A tie a tie is the spawn of the devil. I can think of a lot of things that probably came from the devil, but a tie is probably not going to be on that list. But they, really, they thought they were doing us a favor by removing us from these elevated godly standards. You're not doing me a favor. You're adding to the confusion. And you're now suggesting to two people who have decided they want to do better and they want to try and hold high standards. It's okay not to. It's actually actually I'm going to do you a favor and relieve you of this this terrible difficulty. I mean, we wouldn't want your wife having to dress like a woman. <coughs> no, thank you. I'm my wife is completely comfortable with dressing like a lady, looking like a lady, and acting like a lady. And so I, I, I should have taken that as a as a warning sign and I didn't. And we got to the church and it had gone way off the deep end. We should not have been at this church. During the sound service or music service, I stood there like this. And then the pastor, I have no idea why, is one of those churches where everybody, everybody's, when I see a man standing there like this with his hands waving and rocking back and forth, something is wrong with you. You're a weak, effeminate coward. All right, you can it's just And so he's standing there like this in the very front. I'm sitting towards the back, over to the side, I'm just staring there like this, like there's some fruitcake in skinny jeans with a guitar breathing heavy into the microphone and calling it music. And the pastor's standing there like this and he keeps looking back at me. And I'm just staring there like this, like. I'm not doing this. My wife was sitting down. She was sitting down embarrassed because I'm, there's no, I'm not, what, what are you even singing? You're not singing. You're, it sounds like you're trying to, in a freakish way, woo some girl over to your, to your, to your, you know, whatever it is you want to do with her. It's, it's, it's disgusting. All right. And, and I'm not doing it. But I did decide to go here. I, decide, I chose to come here. My pastor taught me, if you go, you don't get to cause problems. So I can't cause problems, but I'm the whole time like 24 more hours, <laughs> 23 more hours, <laughs> 22 more hours, <laughs> and then we can get out of here and, and never look back. And then, of course, at the end, the pastor, to his credit, I, I thought it was all over. We had all our bags packed. We leave, we leave at 5 a.m. the next morning. I just I, I, I want to go sleep in the airport. Let's just go sleep in the airport so we can get out of here. And he calls me and he says, "Do you mind if you and I meet and have a talk? <laughs> oh, this should go well, So uh, sure. So he and I met alone at a restaurant, and he said, "You know, I want to apologize to you. He's like, uh, we usually try to vet you know vet our missionaries before we bring them in. We're clearly not going in the same direction. like no, we're not." <laughs> We are running rap- We are running rapidly in completely different directions. We both had the name Baptist on on our stationery, uh, but but it means two completely different things to each of us. And um, he said, first of all, he said, I appreciate you not pretending to be something you're not in order to get our money. And I said, well, I, I, you know, I don't mean you any harm. I don't wish you any harm. I, I it's just. The way that you conduct the Bible says there are differences of administration. The way the 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 manner of your administration at your church is just def- it's not something that, that that we are comfortable being a part of. And he said, No, I respect that. But we, we think you're gonna be good missionaries, so we want to support you for one year, and then after that we'll break ties. I was like, you don't have to support us at all. He said, No, we, we want to, so we'll do it for one year and then it'll be over. And they did that. And I, I respect that, I appreciated that. But It would have been better to know that there is a Bible-believing, fundamental church that clearly marks the lines, than to sit with a man and agree that we're going in completely different directions and doing things completely different. And so, that's how it ended up. But it's all part of removing removing the boundaries that God put in place, and it's dangerous. All right, All that from Daniel 2.45, which talks about the Lord coming back and smashing all these kingdoms. I was, oh yeah, I was telling you the two. All that from just this one thing. All right, the previous kingdoms are absorbed by the next. So, so philosophically, philosophically, theoretically, when he smashes the clay and the iron mingled together, it, it, he's, he's smashing all the previous kingdoms at the same time. But the second thing is, remember what began when Nebuchadnezzar became the head. The times of the Gentiles. All right, so I think this is the more logical explanation. When when he comes back and he smashes those ten kings... That's still an extension of the times of the Gentiles. So when he smashes the times of the Gentiles, he's smashing everything from Nebuchadnezzar all the way to those 10 kings and everything in between that that is represented by the times of the Gentiles. And so, so here we are. Now the term without hands, it's always a reference to something being accomplished by God. If it's done without hands... It was, it was done by God. Number one, you had creation itself. Its, it's initial creation as well as what I believe to be the restoration in Genesis 1. The Lord didn't use his hands to do anything. Uh, he, he just spoke spoke it into existence. Now, you might say he pulled Adam open to bring out this weird figure that no one knows what it is today. <laughs> I mean, think about that. When you say you don't know what a woman is, that's a direct attack on the word of God. That's not a political issue. That's a spiritual issue. That takes you all the way back to Genesis 1, Genesis 2, and Genesis 3. The Lord simply spoke things into existence. Now, the atheists of our day mock that idea. They mock the idea that God spoke things into existence. So in place of that, you know what they say? Everything came from nothing. (laughs) So we're the crazy ones because we believe a creator created, which is what we have always seen every time. Where'd that car come from? Toyota made it. (laughs) Where'd that computer come from? Uh, Apple made it. Where'd your dog come from? The dog's mother made it. (laughs) where that tree come from? A seed. Everything has always come from something else. You've never seen anything that didn't come from something else. In fact, until they needed it not to be, it was a scientific fact that something cannot come from nothing. Now they're willing to play with theories. Maybe something can come from nothing. Because the alternative is something coming from a creator. And if there's a creator, then he might have some... Moral authority as to how this world runs. And they don't want that. They want to run away from that. They'll, put, they'll make nothing God. Before they'll put a creator. <laughs> in charge of the creation. Um, look at Daniel 2.34. It's repeated. Thou sawest till a stone was cut out without hands, which smote the image upon his feet that were of iron and clay and break them in pieces. Um, and then, of course, 245, it's, it's repeated, which is our verse, is a reference to the second coming of Jesus. He will be the one to bring an end to the times of the Gentiles. All right, so the, the times of the Gentiles, will be, it, it'll be brought to an end by the return of Jesus Christ In the days of these kings. And it will be at that time when he establishes his kingdom. But let's look at some other references. Look at Mark 14. Mark 14 and let's read verses 55 through 63. Verse 55. And the chief priests and all the council sought for witness against Jesus to put him to death. And found none, for many bear false witness against him, but their witnesses but their witness agreed not together. And there arose certain and bare false witness against him, saying, We heard him say, I will destroy this this temple that is made with hands, and within three days I will build another made without hands. But neither so did their witness agree together. And the high priest stood up in the midst of the and asked Jesus saying, answerest thou nothing? What is it which these witness witness against thee? But he held his peace and answered nothing. Again, the high priest asked him and said unto him, art thou Christ, the son of the blessed? And Jesus said, I am, and ye shall see the son of man sitting on the right hand of power and coming in the clouds of heaven. Then the high priest rent his clothes and saith, what need we of any further witness? Now of this, uh, I, I didn't put the, um, the corresponding uh, passage to this in, in Matthew Mark and, or Matt, uh, Matthew and Luke, but what is he referring to? What's the temple that will be rebuilt or that will be built without hands? It's the body of Jesus Christ. So he's, when, they, when they mock him and say he's going to tear down a temple made with hands and build a temple made without hands. They think he's talking about the physical building, but they're talking about his body. He's talking about his body. They just didn't get the connection. And so his body was raised from the dead. That temple was raised, just as he said, without hands. The body of the Lord Jesus Christ, that that same temple will return to earth and destroy that image, which represents Gentile powers. It will be this same Jesus, this same body that returns. Of course, in Revelation, he looks a lot different. (laughs) He's going to come back as the, the lion of the tribe of Judah. He's not going to be the, the little lovely lamb of God who came and died for our sins. He's coming back for battle. It's going to be a whole, it, it's the same Jesus, different attitude. <laughs> and so we'll see how that goes because we get to come with him. Uh, Colossians chapter 2. Colossians. Colossians is a great book. Colossians 2, let's read verses 6 through 15. Verse 6. As ye have therefore received Christ Jesus the Lord, so walk ye in him, rooted and built up in him, and established in the faith, as ye have been taught, abounding therein with thanksgiving. Beware lest any man spoil you through philosophy and vain deceit, after the tradition of men, after the rudiments of the world, and not after Christ. For in him dwelleth all the fullness of the Godhead bodily... And ye are complete in him, which is the head of all principality and power, in whom also ye are circumcised with the circumcision made without hands, in putting off the body of the sins of the flesh by the circumcision of Christ, buried with him in baptism, wherein also ye are risen with him through the the faith of the operation of God, who hath raised him from the dead. And ye being dead in your sins and the uncircumcision of your flesh, hath he quickened together with him, having forgiven all trust, you all trespasses, blotting out the handwriting of ordinances that was against us, which was contrary to us, and took it out of the way, nailing it to his cross, and having spoiled principality and powers, he made a show of them openly, triumphing over them in it. I mean, that's, some, that's some great wording. <laughs> he made a show of them openly, and triumph. Alright, so, so we are now part of this body that is raised without hands. Or circum- so we're part of that circumcision made without hands. Um, the entire process is an operation of God. And so it is with every mention of the term without hands. The mani- manifestation of this stone is the climax of Gentile powers. This is where it comes to an end. It comes to a screeching halt. I mean, imagine right now going to the G20 or the United Nations and telling them any moment Jesus is going to come back and put every one of you down. (laughs) How would that go? Yeah, they'd laugh you out of the building, arrest you, and make you disappear. But when he comes, all their power, all their plans... If mean, you think about what is it, Psalm two, when, or Psalm one, or Psalm two, when it says, "He that sitteth in the heavens shall laugh," no. <laughs> so he <laughs> just, "You can make all the plans you want." Um, when the Lord decides it's over, it's done. It's it's over with. So their domination on earth ends when this stone appears. There will be no, no negotiation, no peace treaties, no discussions, only total domination by the Lord Jesus Christ. One blow to the image from, his, from, his, from this stone destroys the image and all it represents. Now, now again, let, let's try to think about the totality of that. How powerful was Babylon? I mean, they, they were, it was a world, it was a massive army. They made Pharaoh Neco run away. <laughs> that's power. Okay, how powerful was Medo-Persia? Well, they took out Babylon. I mean, that's a strong. That's that's strong. Then Grisha. N- not only do they absorb all these militaries, but they just they just become stronger and stronger. I mean, you think about the. the I told you before, America spends around two hundred and eighty billion dollars a year on its military. Do you know what the U.S. military is capable of? It's almost unfair. The the power, the might of that military—it's—it's—it's it's, it's surreal. I, I was—I—I I spent about eleven years either fighting wars or teaching other militaries how to fight wars. I have seen militaries all around the world. I've seen what they have. I've seen what they're capable of. It's not even close not even not even a little bit close to what the United States can do. Jesus Christ will come back and put it down in in an instant. It Means absolutely nothing. You can have all the the F-22 Raptor is one of the most incredible aircraft ever to be conceived of. It does things that you would see you would have seen in movies like like 20 years ago, what they dreamed an airplane could do, <laughs> the F-22 Raptor, the American aircraft, can do that. It has what's called fire and forget technology. The pilot will, 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 will find, it doesn't matter who it is, if it's Russia, China, uh, you name it, whoever has an Air Force, or not many countries who actually have an Air Force, the F-22 Raptor can lock onto them from so far away that they don't even know it's there he has he's so far away he sees them on his radar they don't see him on their radar and then that jet can lock on fire a missile and then he will turn around and go back home <laughs> and all of a sudden you know this this foreign military jet is flying and all of a sudden there's a missile chasing <laughs> and they're trying to get away from this missile that is Potentially an AIM-9X, which when it first came out was so fast that it would hit its target, fly through the target and then explode on the other side. That's how fast the missile is. They had to reprogram it because it's supposed to explode on impact, not after it's flown through your aircraft. That's that's unreal technology. Jesus Christ will come back and make and, and put it to shame. With no jets. He's coming back on a horse.
0: <laughs>
1: and, and it will be nothing. Russia, China, and America can join together. It will be nothing. Jesus Christ is going to come back and he's going to put down Gentile powers. There is nothing anyone will do about it. And then he's going to rule and reign in righteousness with a rod of iron. <laughs> uh, I don't want to receive that rod. I, I was spanked with belts and sticks when I was a kid. A rod of iron? <laughs> no, thank you. i just try to do what he says. So the manifestation of this stone will not happen until the kingdoms presented by, represented by the iron mingled with potter's clay are ruling the earth. So this chapter is clear. The Lord will return in the days. It literally says in the days of those kings. All right. So go back to Daniel. Daniel 2 verse 45. For as much as thou sawest, the stone was cut out of the mountain without hands and it break in pieces, the iron, the brass, the clay, the silver, and the gold. The great God hath not hath, The great God hath made known to the king what shall come to pass. Go back to uh, verse 44. And in the days of these kings shall the God of heaven set up a kingdom. All right. So that Jesus Christ is the representative head um, of this kingdom. Just as Nebuchadnezzar was the representative head of Babylon. Babylon. Jesus Christ is the representative head of this kingdom. It will be the millennial kingdom. He will come back and put it down. And so we, we, let's, let's draw it out one more time so you can get a visual of what we're talking about. You should have it memorized by now. I should be able to call somebody up and say, draw, it out, draw out our timeline from Daniel 2. Who thinks they could do it? Very, very good. Now, I do want to note I think his handwriting is worse than mine. monica You don't say anything? Since when? Since when do you not say anything? <laughs> Thank you, brother. No, that's, it's very... Sure, sure, yeah. Me too. Me too. Um, no, that's, that's exactly right. So... You have Babylon, which starts... Oh, that's, a, that's dangerous. You left it open. The times of the Gentiles. All right, so you have the times of the Gentiles, which start with, with Babylon, with Nebuchadnezzar. We go all the way through to Rome, through to Rome and, and here... Christ died for our sins, according to the scriptures. And then he was buried and rose again the third day, according to the scriptures. Starts the church age. The church is raptured. Then the tribulation begins. Sometime during the tribulation, these ten kings will be revealed. And then sometime after they're they're being made manifest, the stone cut out without hands will come and smash all the kingdoms, all the way back to Babylon, starting with these ten kings. Then Christ will rule and reign the millennial kingdom for 1,000 years. All right, the manifestation of this stone will not happen until the kingdoms represented by the iron mingled with miry clay are ruling the earth. This chapter is clear. The Lord will return in the days of these kings. The first coming of Christ took place at the, at the time of the fourth kingdom which we believe is represented by the Roman Empire. His second coming will take place in the days of these kings. Thus the reason other empires, kingdoms or governments are not mentioned is that the Lord stopped his accounting of these empires when the church age began. That that's why this part is so important, all right? So not not only did he stop his political Plans, but he stopped his dealings with Israel. It's, it's all connected to, to this age. Right now, preach the gospel, not politics. That's not what we're doing. We're, we're not fighting political battles right now. That's why we had, you know, the Roman Catholic Church began fighting Islam, saying they're trying to take the, the Holy Land. In what way did God tell any church to go take the Holy Land? What is the Holy Land? God's going to deal with the Holy Land when he's ready. The fact that Israel can't be in Israel in the promised land is because they're being punished by God. So the more you try and force them into the promised land, God said, no, I have them scattered right now. At some point, I will bring them back to the promised land when I'm ready. And then a whole series of events related to the tribulation will kick off at that time. But right now, God's political agenda and God's dealings with Israel are on hold until the church age comes to an end. When the church age comes to an end, then he will go right back to the political agenda and right back to dealing with Israel. What is the tribulation also called? The time of Jacob's trouble. All right. Everybody got that? If you don't get anything else out of this class, you should peg down this timeline. This will will keep you out of a lot of trouble when it comes to people misteaching, misapplying certain truth. Whatever they say, if you can't make it fit in this timeline, something's wrong. Something's off. All right? There are a lot of different ideas about all this stuff. All of it. And and some of it can get quite quite out there and I don't want you to be out there. I want you to be I want you if you stay within this time frame, if you stay within this um the, the, this plan that's, that appears to be clearly laid out by the word of God, then it's hard to get off track. Yes. So
2: which means right now the Romans are ruling? Really- in the I
1: feel like I haven't been teaching anything at all.
2: Yeah, well, I understand. That. I have a reason that's why I asked. Because the way it is written, so the Roman Empire came to an end. Jesus Christ was born and now put on the cross.
1: Did the Roman Empire come to an end? It
2: looks like it transitioned.
1: The Roman Empire definitely came to an end. Right, it came to an end, but we're also in the church age. So it, doesn't, it really doesn't matter whether it came to an end or not.
2: So if this timeline still goes up to the 10,
1: mm-hmm.
2: it's the 10 uh, kings, so somehow we are detached from the Roman uh, Empire. So we are in the church age, but underneath the timeline still goes on.
1: No, no. So the timeline. So this is what. We, that's why we brought this. This here. All right. So when it comes to this, the timeline is paused. Now we're still in here. The Gentiles still rule. The Gentiles still have dominion. So, so this. All right. This is. This is the. This is one of the key factors. Okay. So you got Babylon to Rome. Right. God said in the Bible, for the most part, some of it very clearly, some of it not as clear, but but all the evidence points in this direction. God said Babylon would be first. Unbelievably clear. Right. God said Medo-Persia would take Babylon. Unbelievably clear in the word of God that happened historically. God said Grisha would come after Persia. That happened historically. It's exactly what God said would happen in the Bible. Now, God did not say Rome would take Greece. That's not written in the Bible. But Rome is the next world empire. And not only is the next world empire, but it's there when Christ is on the earth. And when Christ and John the Baptist were on the earth, what did he say about the kingdom of heaven? It suffereth violence, and the violent take it by force. So the political agenda is paused. And during the church age, the kingdom of heaven suffereth violence and the violent take it by force. All right. This is what's happening during the church age. God is no longer saying, this kingdom will take this kingdom, this kingdom will will take this kingdom, this kingdom will take this kingdom, this kingdom will take this kingdom. He said, Christ died. We're in the church age. The political agenda in Israel is on pause. But from the time of John the Baptist until now, the kingdom of heaven suffered violence and the violent take it by force. Until the church is raptured, tribulation begins and these 10 kings reveal themselves.
2: So now at this time, when the Romans were still leading. So can we separate, or can for me, in order that understand it well, the Rome, the Roman Empire, and uh, Dark Ages, because we know Dark Ages took place when the church was still in existence. Uh, so,
1: I, you sorry. can't confuse the Roman Empire with the Roman Catholic Church. Mm-hmm. Okay. It's not; they're not one and the same thing. A lot of people try to make them one and the same. They're not. Now, at some point, the Roman government did fuse itself for a period of time with the Catholic Church. But, it, but it's not, I don't think, it, it's not represented here. Because that didn't happen until long after Christ. So, so it, the, the Catholic Church and the Roman Empire, you can't think of them as the same thing here. You have to separate that in your mind. Now, as Baptists, we've been conditioned to think, when you see Rome, it's Catholic Church. That's not that's not true. All right. So you have to let the context tell you what it's talking about. So it, when when Rome was in charge of Jerusalem in Jesus' day, that wasn't the Catholic Church that was in charge of Jerusalem. There was no Catholic Church. They didn't come to much later with Constantine and and and, and all those guys that came along and created the Catholic Church, and then it just kind of turned into a monster from there. Um, That's why some people, when they talk about, you know, Babylon, they separate it to the financial side, and and, uh, I forget exactly how they do it, but anyways, the religious side and the financial, the economic or, you know, or financial side and the religious side. And so they say the religious side is the Roman Catholic Church and the I don't know what they say the financial side is. So um, I I, I don't really hold to that idea. Um, Now, the guys who do, you should listen to what they have to say and see if there's any merit to it. But um, I have not found it to be so. So so you have to separate the, the Roman kingdom from the Roman Catholic Church. That's a whole different issue. All right. Um his second coming will take place in the days of these kings. Thus the reason other empires, so we read all that. The stone is Jesus Christ. He is the representative head of his kingdom. Just as Nebuchadnezzar was the representative head of the Babylonian kingdom, the Lord is often spoken of as a rock or a stone throughout Scripture. Look at Isaiah 8. Isaiah 8, and we'll read verse 14. Let's read 11 through 14. For the Lord spake thus to me with a strong hand and instructed me that I should not walk in the way of this people, saying, Say ye not a confederacy to all them to whom this people shall shall say a confederacy? Neither fear ye their fear, nor be afraid sanctify the Lord of hosts himself, and let him be your fear, and let him be your dread. And he shall be for a sanctuary, for a stone of stumbling, and a rock, and and for a a rock of offense to both the houses of Israel, for a, a gin and a snare to the inhabitants of Jerusalem. So that verse identifies him both as a a stone and a rock. Of course, that, that, what's the cross reference to that? Anybody know? Anybody remember? First Peter chapter 2. So let's go read that. First Peter chapter 2. And it's interesting. Um, let me see how far back I want to go. Uh, start in verse 7. That the trial of your faith... Being much more precious than of gold that perisheth, though it be tried with fire, might be found under the praise and honor and glory at the appearing of Jesus Christ, whom having not seen, ye love; in whom, though now ye, ha- ye see him not, yet believing, ye rejoice with joy unspeakable and full of glory, receiving the end of your faith, even the salvation of your souls. So the the whole context. Is Jesus Christ. People who have not seen him, but they trust him. And because they trust him, they have joy unspeakable. Their soul is, they have salvation for their souls. All these wonderful things. Verse 10. Of which salvation the prophets have inquired. This is interesting. And searched diligently who prophesied of the grace that should come unto you. Do you understand what that's saying? The, the prophets prophesied. Of our salvation, and then after they wrote it down, they were like, What is this? Lord, what is this? I want to know what this is. And 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 a couple of times in the Old Testament, the Lord told the prophets, It's not for you. <laughs> Don't worry about it. Isn't that interesting? Not only do the prophets look into it, the angels look into it. They look at the Lord taking a rebel like me and like you, saving us, and the angels look at that and go, Wow. <laughs> what? You just saved that person? Like you made them clean and made them whole? Why? Why wouldn't you just destroy them? You didn't save us. When, <laughs> <laughs> when, when our people rebelled, you know, you, you just let us go to hell. So, or I mean we don't know what he offered them, but all right, let me try this again. First, first Peter chapter 2, verse 8. <laughs> Uh, actually, this is where I wanted to read. I was trying to get to. Let's go back to uh, verse, yeah, verse four. But I'm trying to see. Let's start in verse two. As newborn babes, so who's it talking about? Us. As newborn babes, desire the sincere milk of the word that ye may grow thereby. If so be, ye have tasted that the Lord is gracious. Now, I, I like those words. If. Have you done that? Have you tasted and seen that the Lord is gracious? And okay, then verse 4, to whom, to whom coming as unto a living stone, disallowed indeed of men, but chosen of God and precious. Who is that talking about? Jesus, Jesus Christ. It can't be talking about anybody. God does not think you're precious. Sorry, precious. Tell <laughs> um, God does not think you're precious. He thinks Jesus Christ is precious. All right. So but a lot of people really think God, God loves me so much. He's so excited that I got saved. No, no, you're you're fortunate. You got saved. You should be thankful for the grace of God. Don't be bragging about how happy you think God is that you got that you got saved. Or he, you might tempt him to do something about it. Verse five, Ye also. All right. Now, now that you're in Christ, what are we? Lively stones. You also as lively stones are built up a spiritual house and holy priesthood to offer up spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God by Jesus Christ. Without Jesus Christ, you can't do any of that. You have no access to God without Jesus Christ. I am the way, the truth, the life. No man cometh unto the father but by me. All right. So so it all fits perfectly. Verse six. Wherefore also it is contained in the scripture, Behold, I lay in Sion a chief cornerstone, elect, precious. Again, who's that talking about? Jesus. Jesus. And he that believeth on him shall not be confounded. Again, talking about Jesus. Unto you, therefore, which believe, he is precious. But unto them which be disobedient, the stone which the builders disallowed, the same is made the head of the corner, And a stone of stumbling and a rock of offense, even to them which stumble at the word, being disobedient, whereunto also they were appointed. But you are a chosen generation, a royal priesthood and holy nation a peculiar people. So you're not weird. You're peculiar. So you make people get it right. And I say, why are you dressed that way? You're weird. No, I'm peculiar. You don't understand it. It's different. That ye should show forth the praises of him who hath called you out of darkness into his marvelous light, which in time past were not a people, but are now the people of God, which had not obtained mercy, but now have obtained mercy. Dearly beloved, I beseech you as strangers and pilgrims abstain from fleshly lusts, which war against the soul. All right. So Jesus Christ, he is the stone. He is the rock. Look at Matthew 21. Matthew 21, and we'll read verses 42 through 44. Jesus saith unto them, Did did you never read in the scriptures? Now, think about what he's saying. (laughs) Have you not done something as simple as read in your book? So so if we stand before God and have to answer for things that we've done wrong, what, what do you think is likely to be his answer? Did you not read? (laughs) I gave you a Bible. Do you speak English? Well, you even had a perfect Bible. (laughs) And and you don't get this? So that that, that won't be a sufficient answer, especially for anyone in the world who can speak English. How much of the world does that cover? A huge portion. They may not speak only English, but a massive majority of the world speaks English. You know how my wife used to make extra money before we moved to Uganda? She was teaching Chinese kids how to speak speak and read English over the Internet. They pay a ton of money to have people who are natural English speakers teach their children how to speak English. English dominates the world. If If you speak English well enough to read this book, you have no excuse. I'd imagine that's going to be a common response. Well, I didn't know. Did you not read? If you had read, you would have known. And so the more we read, the better we can be prepared. Jesus said to them, did you never read in the scriptures the stone which the builders rejected? The same has become the head of the corner. This is the Lord's doing, and it's marvelous in our eyes. Verse 43 Therefore, I say unto you, the kingdom of God shall be taken from you and given to a nation, bringing forth the fruits thereof. And whosoever shall fall on this stone shall be broken. But on whomsoever it shall fall. Now, does this sound familiar? On on whomsoever it shall fall, it will grind him to powder. What what does that make you think back to? Daniel 2. Those 10 kings, that stone is going to come back and it's going to smash into those 10 toes. And it says it's going to make, it's going to make all those kingdoms as the chaff on the summer threshing floor and the wind will just blow them away. (laughs) F 22 raptors and all (laughs) just, you go from this powerful military to just blowing in the wind like, like the dust. That's their future. That's what's coming. And uh, that's repeated in Mark 12, verse 10, and Luke 20, verse 17. It shall grind them to powder. This is the admonition of Daniel uh, 2, verses 34 and 35. They became like the chaff of the summer threshing floor, and the wind carried them away. All right, back to Daniel 2. And we will begin on the latter portion of this chapter. Maybe we'll read it and then take a quick break and um, and then move on to a little bit of chapter 3 tonight. There's still some things I'm working out for chapter 3, so we'll just kind of touch on it a little bit before the night's over. Um, let's read Daniel 2, verses 46 through 49. Then the king, Nebuchadnezzar, fell upon his face. Imagine that. Uh, what, what all have we said about this king, Nebuchadnezzar? The head, thou art a king of kings. Uh, he'll, he'll set up who he wants, he'll put down who he wants, and now he's on his face in front of Daniel. <laughs> Who at this time, remember when he was taken in captivity, he's about anywhere that the, the suggestions are anywhere from 14 to 20 years old. And if he's been there about two years, like we talked about, so let's say he was 20. Let's, let's say he's old, at the oldest end. He's about 22 years old. And now King Nebuchadnezzar is on his face, worshiping Daniel. Daniel had to be... One special, special character. I, I would like to think I could, I would be standing there thinking, please don't, don't, don't do that. I think that's probably what Daniel's thinking, but Daniel can't say that to, the, to, to King Nebuchadnezzar. It won't go well. But I'd like to think I'd be there, there like Daniel saying, Lord, please don't strike me dead. I, I don't want this man doing this. But I might be tempted to think, I mean, I did do pretty good, didn't I? I mean, <laughs> go ahead. Just stay down there as long as you want. <laughs> That's why you, gotta, you need to think about these things and check your motivations. I don't want to be worshipped by men. But you have no idea what it does to a man or a woman when they, when they have someone of high power praising them. All of a sudden, they'll throw everything out the window. And here Daniel is the head of all Gentile world. Dominion is bowing at his feet, worshiping him. Daniel has an extremely high level of character and is able to stand there and take that. Remember, we talked about their being shown favor and being blessed in chapter one because they would control their bodies. Well, it takes a man like that to be able to receive this type of response and not let it go to his head. Otherwise, this just goes off track really fast. And and Daniel wasn't that kind of guy. Then King Nebuchadnezzar fell upon his face and worshiped Daniel and commanded that they should they should offer an oblation and sweet odors unto him. The king answered unto Daniel and said, of a truth it is. Now here's there's two keys to this because everywhere else in the Bible, anytime someone who belonged to God had people fall down at their feet and worship them, they said, No, get up, do not worship me. All right? They, they they made very clear, no, I'm not to be worshipped. I'm not God. Angels, the apostles, anytime it happened to anybody in the Bible, they said, No, get up, do not worship me. Well, you got a couple of things with Daniel's situation. First, He doesn't tell Nebuchadnezzar to do anything. And taking that chance, having just saved his life, (laughs) would put his life right back in danger. You don't tell Nebuchadnezzar. You've got to think about this in terms of an all-powerful king. He doesn't receive instruction. He gives it. You don't tell him what to do. Even if you mean well, you shut up and you listen to what he says. Right, and so, so, first of all, he, he can't tell him that. Secondly, every step of the way, who did Daniel tell Nebuchadnezzar did this for him? God. At no point did Daniel say, ha I got the answer. The king asked him, he said, are, are you able to do what you, say, what you say you're going to do? He said, there's a God in heaven who can answer you, who can, who can do this. At no point you say, it's me. It's about me. You need me. He said, they can't do it. No man can do it. God can. That's who gave me the answer. So I have the answer, but it came from God. And in he, every step of the way, he was careful in his private prayer and also before Nebuchadnezzar to say, it was God. All the honor, all the glory belongs to God. So Nebuchadnezzar's confusion, Nebuchadnezzar's just doing what Gentiles do like, oh, Quinto did something amazing. Everyone bow down and just let's worship Quinto because that's what Gentiles do. How many African kings did the gods make king? Well, none of them, but they say that they, that the gods made them king. And and it's, it's a common thing. The king of England, God put me here. Really? (laughs) Why can't you divorce your wife and marry another woman? <laughs> if God made you so powerful, I mean, what, what's, what's the holdup? You know, so, so it's, it's a common thing for Gentiles to, to adopt this mindset. This guy just did a miracle. Paul and Barnabas, when, when you know, those men lift him up, and they're about to sacrifice and they start calling one and Mercurius and the other one, you know, they, they start calling the, God, the names of their gods. They're like, no, 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 stop. And it's because they don't know what to do. It's not because Paul and Barnabas led them to believe they should be worshipped. It's because you're dealing with Gentiles. And Gentiles, (laughs) they're just mindless cattle. Like Those people are worshipping him. Maybe we should go join them. Why? Why would you you go join them? Look, everybody's got green hair, and you can't tell if it's a male or a female. Let's let's go join the crowd. (laughs) Why would you join that crowd? <laughs> That's just what Gentiles do. And so Nebuchadnezzar's doing what Gentiles do. But Daniel at no point led him to believe he should be worshipped. And then Nebuchadnezzar's next words are very telling. Uh, look at, back at verse 48. Um, no, verse 47. The king answered unto Daniel and said of a truth. It is that your God is a God of gods and a Lord of kings. And a revealer of secrets, seeing thou couldest reveal this secret. The king, then the king made Daniel a great man and gave him many great gifts and made him ruler over the whole province of Babylon and chief of the governors over all the wise men of Babylon. Then Daniel requested of the king and he set Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego Over the affairs of the province of Babylon, but Daniel sat in the gate of the king. What are their Hebrew names? Without looking. Abednego. Azariah. Very good. All right, good.